I didn't realize, you know, how much power there is in identifying how you're feeling, making a decision if you want to stay in that. Because sometimes, guess what, Marnie? When I'm pissed off, I just want to stay pissed off for a little while. And that's okay, right? So do you want to stay in that feeling or do you want to move on? And there's great power in knowing that you're kind of, you're capable and you have that in your own hands to move where you want to go kind of in your emotions. Welcome to Community Good, the podcast that shares powerful lessons to help you navigate the life you want. I'm your host, Marnie Andes. In this episode, you'll hear from Sabrina Smith, author of the book, What Does Fine Feel Like?, who talks about her journey of experiencing and identifying feelings. She shares more about the power of therapy, moving through rather than getting stuck in life's challenges, and embracing the notion that everything prepares you for the next moment. And now, my conversation with Sabrina Smith. Sabrina, thank you so much for joining me. It's it's interesting because you and I used to be connected all the time. Like it seemed like we were talking all the time. And then like the last four years and, and all of a sudden, you know, we've just been sort of following each other online, but I would like to hear what has been going on because I know a lot has gone on for you. Yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting four years. Um, each moment that happened was a distinct event. And when you put them all together, I mean, there's a lot of lessons to learn from it, but it started about in 2019, I was uh, diagnosed with a brain illness and I was hospitalized for a month and then on disability for three months after that. And I actually had to learn to um, walk again. And I, I say think again, I knew how to talk, but I had to an example was they said in a minute, think of as many C words as you can think of that start with the letter C and I can only think of cup in one minute. So that's where my cognitive ability was at the beginning of the journey. Um, I survived that. They thought I would never work again. And um, I did. <laughs> so I'm thriving. I, I'm kind of, I like to say I was a walking miracle, but just as I got over, it was about um, about a year of the recovery. And just as I was getting over it is when COVID hit in March of 2020 and the whole world changed. And I thought, well, at least I have COVID to take my mind off of the one year anniversaries of everything about my illness. And just when I started focusing on COVID, my dad then passed away, not because of COVID, but I like to say due to COVID, because he, like many people, delayed his medical care and had doctor's appointments canceled because of COVID. So he um, passed away and I was, it was right in the thick of COVID. I was one of the quote, lucky ones that got to go in and be in the hospital for his last breath. Um, and then I was coming up for air on that. And then my mom passed away, um, same thing. Um, not due to COVID, but because of COVID, same reasons. And uh, they were two of the most important people in my life. And just when I was like, boy, things come in threes. And I think this is the lesson in all of it. Things come in threes. And I thought, I've recovered. Everything's great. Everything's smooth sailing. And then um, my daughter took a nasty, nasty fall at our vacation home. And we watched her get evacuated via Flight for Life to Denver, um, and when they were, when she was evacuated, they didn't know if she was going to A, live, B, walk. Um, she spent 21 days in the hospital and she's a walking, talking miracle. So that brings us to today. So it was an interesting four years 
personally and during all that, there were some career changes too, but um, I truly believe I'm the person I am today because of all of that. So um, it's it's been interesting for sure. <laughs> well, to be connected to you again, and we had a chance to catch up even before we started recording, the the love and the energy that comes from you, because I know everybody can't see you like I can see you right now in the conversation is like, I don't even know how to describe it. And the fact that you have been through all of that is so, so intense. And, you know, we were having a chance just to talk a little bit about our dads and just the connection that we have there. Um, I mean, how, when you start to, to lose people like that around you, I mean, and you're already going through your own health challenges. I mean, what, what are some of the day-to-day things that just sort of brought you through it? Um, my family and my friends, uh, you know, you really do find out. I, I, I did write a blog post that I posted on LinkedIn at one point and it was, 15 lessons I had learned while my daughter was in the hospital for those 21 days. And what I learned about those lessons is they can very much be um, applied to the work environment. And, but one of them personally is when the going gets tough, you find out who has your back. And if that's not true in life, yes, but boy, is that true in work too. I mean, almost everything that I tried to document for my daughter about what I had learned from her experience I could make a tiny, tiny pivot or a tiny tweak. And it was, it made sense at work too. But yeah, one of them is, you know, when things are tough, the close people have your back. And that's really true in work. You do find out who your fans are and maybe who your fans aren't. Um, but it was, it was really family and a support system. Um, you know, there were some ugly times in these four years where I was broken. I was just broken. And I am, I know... I'm going to get a little emotional. Very, very fortunate that I have got an amazing support system. Um, Something else that got me through it. I don't know if your listeners are going to want to hear this, but um, with the brain illness, I do believe that when one side of, when one part of your brain gets injured, another part of your brain wakes up. Um, A lot of reading I did. Well, after my parents passed away, I started having lucid dreams. And for your listeners, I don't know if they know what lucid dreams are, but that's when you're in the dream and you know that it's a dream. And when you start to realize you're having lucid dreams, you can actually kind of control your dreams. And there were a couple of times um, that my mom showed up and I knew that I was in a dream and I knew that she had passed away, but she was sitting with me in the dream. And I just said, you know what, mom, you stay here as long as you want. So I had an incredible support system on this planet, but I also really do believe that um, my parents showed themselves to me and told me to not boo-hoo this. And I did boo-hoo for a long time. And then now I I can say with 100% confidence that I um, am living my best life for them. And I feel that, and I feel that they feel that. Well, when you talked about the dream piece of it, I think it will resonate because it just resonated with me hearing that. Yeah. I, I remember having a really vivid dream with my dad and, you know, everyone has 
different spiritual beliefs, whatever your beliefs right. could be. And some don't have spiritual beliefs. I'll, I'll recognize that too. But I knew that there was, there was some connection where he, he was present, but he wasn't, yes. he wasn't present in the room with me. He was present, but communicating to me. Yes. And, and, and those are, that is super powerful. I mean, I think maybe even it was powerful enough to, to navigate some of the sorrow and some of the grief. Yes. Yes. How did, yes. how did you do that? I mean, with both of your parents losing them so closely to one another, and like I said, also challenging and navigating your own health. I mean, what was, what was the way in which you did navigate that? that? Well, um, again, first and foremost, family, um, I've shared with you that as a Gen Xer, I was raised in a very, very loving family, um, very strong family, kind of a Hallmark card family. Um, but we didn't believe in therapy and no one in my generation really did. Um, and what I learned was not really addressing, you know, in hindsight, once I was, um, healthy from my brain illness, I kind of, I felt like something was around, something bad was around every corner and I never really addressed that. And then COVID and then my dad passing and then my mom passing. And I didn't really address any of it along the way. So I did find myself in therapy for the first time. Um, and it did help me work through it because instead of just saying, oh, I'm so sad about those things, I actually got to work through those feelings. And I, I do understand how important it is. I mean, I, th I think our generation, if you were sad about something, you just, you put on your jeans and you put on your shoes and you went about life. And that was, that was what the image of a strong person was, somebody who didn't let anything get them down. And now what I've learned, um, God, there's a scene in Sex and the City where Miranda says, congratulations, you identified a feeling. I'm pissed off. Do I get a medal? And I laugh about that quote because it's so true. Just like identifying the feeling I think takes away the negative power that sometimes attached to the feeling because you're saying, okay, I am upset right now, or I am embarrassed right now. What do I do to want to try to change that feeling and get myself to a place where I want to be? But it's just, um, it's a long way of saying, you know, the therapy really did help me. I'm not like a therapy girl, but it, it really did help to talk through all the things. Right. Well, it, you and I talked about that before. It's, it's, it, it, you know, it's part generational. It's probably part of the community or the family and the way in which we grew up, which we grew up right. fairly similar. You know, we were talking yes. about that. I, you know, therapy was because you were, there was something wrong with you, there was but it was an wrong unacceptable with un wrong with you. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's something that's wrong with all of us. We're all working through something, but the, the wrong isn't negative. You know, like we can see that now. Yes. Yes. 100%. Yes. And I think about you know, that's a big challenge, you know, especially if that's how you were raised and that's how it was perceived. I mean, what, what finally was the tipping point for you to go to therapy? Um, that it, it had just gotten to be, I, it, it was, I am a, um, I am by nature a sparkly person. And I didn't name that word until I was speaking at my parents' double funeral, which nobody should have to do a double funeral. Um, but 
I actually said, I told a story about how when she was in the ICU and took her last breath, it was actually St. Patrick's Day. And she had painted her fingernails and her toes green sparkles. And I said she had green sparkly nails and green sparkly toenails. And she was the prettiest patient in the ICU. I said that word for word at her eulogy. She was the prettiest. My mom was a glammy, not a Grammy. Um, but I didn't, I didn't mean that physically. I meant she was just sparkly person. And in, in the, the book that I wrote on my sabbatical, I thank my mom for teaching me about sparkle. And I think it was right around the time of their general funeral. I, when I identified that I felt like my mom was a sparkly person, I realized I had lost that. It had just gotten buried and that I needed to actually work through everything that had happened. Um, and because I did, because I did, when my daughter was put on that helicopter via flight for life, you know, they say everything happens for a reason. Some people believe that, some people don't. I believe with 100% certainty that everything prepares you for a reason. And as that helicopter, I can picture it right now, was flying off, I looked at it and I knew this was a defining moment and I knew life was going to change again. And we drove to meet her two and a half hours away. We got to the hospital. I had a breakdown that night. I cried my eyes out, had a breakdown that night. And then the next day I said to the doctor, listen, <laughs> I'm fragile. I've been through a lot. I need to know from you and I won't tell anybody. Is she going to be okay or not? And he said, you know what? I don't know why. I wouldn't have said this last night based on how she came in, but I think she's going to be okay. And I said, okay, everything that has happened in the last three years has led up to this moment. I'm going to go into mom mode. And I was in that hospital for 21 days sleeping on the couch and I never had a breakdown. And so that's why I say, you know, when people say everything happens for a reason, well, are you saying my dad was supposed to die? My mom was supposed to die? Maybe you believe that. And I don't know whether I do or whether I don't. What I do believe is when they were, you know, teaching me about all the cognitive testing that Cammie was going to have to go through for her brain injury, said, you don't need to teach me about it. I went through it myself four years ago. So does everything happen for a reason? I don't know, but everything prepared me for that moment. And I give myself a nine out of 10 in how I was for her and how I showed up for her because of everything that had, I'm getting emotional, everything that had happened before. I mean, and the doctor even looked at me and said, how do you know what about these cognitive testings? I said, long story, I've been through all of them. So I, I just, and I had been in hospitals and I, I had been through that uncertainness. And because of all that, I was able to show up for her just really strong. And I'm so thankful for that. Oh, that is so powerful of whether or not everything happens for a reason. That's up to you if you believe that, but yeah. that everything prepares you. I know that to be, coming. I know that to be so certain. And somebody was actually speaking with her when she came back to the city where she had her accident. Everybody thought, nobody thought they were going to see her again. So, I mean, grown men were breaking down in tears when they saw her. And one woman said to her, you know, the paramedics didn't think you were going to make it. And if you did, you were going to be in a wheelchair or life was going to be different. You're certainly not. You're completely healthy. 
And she actually said, and I looked at her, I smiled because I said, I know what you're talking about. She said, you don't know the reason today. You don't know the reason today. But at some point in your life, a year from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, you'll go, that's why. That's why I went through all that. And it may take a long time, but one day you'll know why you were put through those 21 days. I mean, the, that is an incredible lesson. And I think the openness to it for people to hear, yeah. it can be hard. There can be tragedy. It can be gut-wrenching. I mean, all those things, but the openness to what the lesson could be yes. down the road is yes. crucial. Yes. And, and just looking for little signs, right? And, and, you know, Marty, that's so interesting because I'd never verbalized it that way before. It's in the meantime, while you're waiting to figure out what the heck it meant, you can pivot your thinking a little bit positively and you can say, you know what, I'm just going to look for those little glimpses in life as to maybe this is why it was. And it turns something negative into something positive. And I think, you know, one thing we've learned, you know, now that I'm in a positive headspace again, and I've got my sparkle back, um, I constantly say I have my sparkle back, you know, it affects every area of your life. So just to be able to take something that looks negative and be able to look for the little glimpses of positive in the world on why maybe it happened. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. There's also that extreme piece of it. And I know people teeter on this and I've had conversations with folks around it where you can almost say, well, but if you almost act too positive, you have that whole other side, which could be, you know, that toxic positivity where it's totally. like, no, it's just fine. Everything's great. And and we're going to get into that statement, right? Where, yeah. you know, it's no, I don't need to worry about it. Everything's going to work itself out. All those things. It's, it's not that this is saying like, I recognize this is not working. I recognize something bad happened. I recognize that maybe I don't feel well and I'm open yes. to learning from it. Totally. And I'm excited now. <laughs> I know. Well, I want to get into the statement because I just used it because this is a big deal. You just, you mentioned, you know, a little while ago about writing your book while you're on sabbatical and the concept of, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. We ask people all the time, how you doing? Good. I'd love for you to tell more around your book and, and how yeah. that came to be. Yeah. So, um, I did go on sabbatical. I, I thought it was going to be longer than it was. It was short-lived. It was only six weeks, but that's okay. Um, there's something beautiful. If you can, if you can take a sabbatical financially, I recommend it because there's something beautiful about not having to worry about your former job or the new job you're going to take. Like literally, what are you going to do with your time? And this little voice inside me, my father had always wanted me to write a children's book. And I said, darn it, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do that. And I had written one 20 years ago. And so I dug it up on my computer and, you know, the world has changed in 20 years. And so the subject that I had chosen 20 years ago just wasn't, it wouldn't have had an audience today. So I was talking to my friend Kelly and I said, I'm going to write a children's book while I'm on sabbatical. What do I do? And she said, what about something regarding mental health and kids? And I immediately, I said, I got it. I'm done. I'll call you back. And I, I actually wrote, I would say what was 95% of the final draft in 40 minutes. And in therapy, there's this concept, you know, they always start, how are you doing today? Fine. And a therapist does not let you get away with that. 
And it's always, well, what does fine feel like for you today? Let's, let's name that. And, you know, two things I learned was one that naming your feelings, actually, it, it takes away any negative overhang or negative power they have over you. When I was writing the book, I originally only had positive adjectives. I said, no, 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 no. What I want kids to understand is that even if they have a negative emotion, like embarrassed or sad or detached, that naming that feeling and naming and understanding that it's not a great feeling, you can then take steps to change how you want to be feeling. Um, there's a line in the book that my friend Elaine always says, and it's, you feel what you feel. You feel what you feel. You, you can't make that up. So we might as well name that feeling and move on. And then when I realized how much that helped for me, then I started thinking about my kids from the time they were really, really young, you know, how was school fine? And you can't get anything but fine, okay, or good out of them. So I wrote the book to kind of grab for an early reader, but, you know, I've had friends going through menopause who said the book's great. Um, my, my neighbor across the street lost her dad and I had given her a copy of the book and her husband was like, I really want you to sit down and read this book. And she said, Sabrina, it just opened up this conversation between me and my husband. I had never really thought, I mean, it's such a simple, simple, simple book. I wrote it in 40 minutes. Um, but I was sharing with you earlier, my niece's um, son who's in kindergarten, after he read the book, he said, mom, I feel like pumpkins and hearts today. And I was like, God, I know what he meant. Like he didn't even use a real adjective and I know what he meant. So I just, I think it's a great tool for early readers, but just to kind of, it's a great tool for anybody because fine. And now actually I do have a story. The book was at the publisher when my daughter was in the hospital and she was in the ICU and she had not come out of another planet yet. And my son, who was 17 at the time, was in the ICU with us and he was really quiet. And I always say it's the quiet ones that you have to worry about. And I said, can I talk to you outside? And I pulled him outside and I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine. And I said, Connor, you, you do know the book that I just read. I'm not, I'm not going to take fine for an answer. And he said, mom, I'm not the one you should be worried about. You should be worried about your daughter that's in the ICU that doesn't even know what year it is. And I said, I am worried, but right now I'm worried about you. What are you? Are you scared? And we started walking through all the emotions to kind of hone on, on where he was. And that's when I knew I'm like, I think I might've been on something here because I just used it in my real life. So the lesson is for all ages. I know it's a children's book, but that piece where you really get to the heart of where somebody is. I mean, I even think about it. If you're going to go out and and meet a colleague, maybe you haven't seen in a while and you go to coffee and instead of sharing the niceties of how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Oh, how you, oh I'm good. You know, we're, like, how are you? Like, can yep. you really talk about it? I think that's incredibly important. I, I found myself practicing it with uh, my kids more now. Yes. Because I, I recognize how important it is. And I think you and I talked about, like, it kind of goes back to maybe even how we were raised and the fact that we're identifying that this is what we need to do. But if someone's sad or upset about something, it's not to, oh, no, it's going to be fine. You're okay. You're okay. No, you're not okay. It's okay for you to be sad right now. It's okay not to be okay, right? It, it's okay um, 
it's okay to validate that. And I, I guess I, I didn't realize how much as a Gen Xer, I keep saying it, but I didn't realize how much power there was, you know, this younger generation, they're really great at exploring their feelings and we can learn from that. I didn't realize, you know, how much power there is in identifying how you're feeling, making a decision if you want to stay in that. Because sometimes, guess what, Marnie? When I'm pissed off, I just want to stay pissed off for a little while. And that's okay, right? So do you want to stay in that feeling or do you want to move on? And there's great power in knowing that you're kind of, you're capable and you have that in your own hands to move where you want to go kind of in your emotions. Recognizing it for yourself first, naming it, And then when you think of the dialogue with others, I mean, think about it in the relationship. This is why I think the book is so powerful for all ages, because, you know, when you think about a significant other and you're trying to manage through relationships and if somebody's disappointed or if somebody's angry or if somebody's whatever the feeling might be to be able to name it and then to be able to actually have a conversation about it, that is enormous. And I think with our kids, um, again, a lot of the adjectives, I was, I went out to dinner with some friends and showed them the very first draft of the book. And, um, the feedback was some of the adjectives were too big. If this is going to be th- for K through four, they're too big. And I left them anyway, because in my head, thinking back when my kids were young, which, you know, I'm so old now, um, but thinking about my kids being young, you know, there was one word insightful in the book. When I said, it's, you feel what you feel and that's insightful. I was told, you know, uh, kindergartner isn't going to know what insightful means. And I thought, well, you know what? I can picture having a conversation about what that means and just opening up what these words mean and opening up vocabulary. And as a parent, you could even change a word if you wanted to, but I decided to leave the big words in um, to just open more of that conversation. Well, I'm glad you did because I've written about this before too, which is not about the feelings, but the, about the fact that our kids, thankfully, I have found, are learning more things earlier than yes. we did. Like I think about, they're learning about um, not only feelings, they're learning about what it means to be in a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Yes. They're learning about leadership. They're, we didn't even have that in the curriculum. So I think you're spot on to have left uh, those I, words in. I have chills because that's the other thing is that when I wrote that blog post about things I had learned while my daughter was in the hospital, she asked if she could write a a similar blog post. I said, go for it. Creative writing is so fun. But what she and I talked about was she's 20 years old and her life, like that, that cliche, her life changed in an instant, in an instant. And the awakening I've seen happen to her, I'm, just this awakening that she's going to go um, abroad next semester for school and just looks at life a lot differently. And I finally said to her, do you realize that you have learned at 20, what it takes most of us to 50, 51, 52 to figure out. And that's this, you get one shot, right? You, I mean, this is it. She, the awakening in her circumstance, it was because of an accident, but I do see conversations being just, again, it's because I think this generation is better at identifying their feelings. They just, I think, are learning a lot more younger. And I just can't wait to see what they're going to be doing in their 40s and 50s, having all this knowledge now. I mean, God, that's going to be amazing. 
Well, and it's, well, it is. And I love seeing it too, as our children are learning something earlier in life, but I do look at it and go, Hey, if you're listening right now, we've talked a lot about Gen X and how, you know, maybe (laughs) how we have been raised. You don't just have to have those be your, the cards that you've been dealt. You can make a choice right now to read this. You can make a choice right now to say, you know what, that may have been how I learned it. That may be how I've practiced it up to this point in my life, but I can do it differently because of what you just said. You have one shot. My mom used to always say, uh, life is not a dress rehearsal. Um, I quote, I used to quote my parents all the time. I quote them all the time now that they've passed again, that I was raised by two amazing, amazing individuals, but it's true. Life's not a dress rehearsal. Um, you know, you, you don't get an owner's manual on how to raise your children. I mean, we're all making this up as we go along and, and that's okay. Right. As long as our end goal is, um, oh God, I heard a quote on a, on a webinar the other day. It's be the best at getting better. We're not asking you to be the best, just be the best at getting better I, or being better. Now, I don't know if I'm quoting it right, but I thought that was so powerful. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And I, that's what I love about stuff like this because, and what I mean by stuff, when, when someone like you writes a book and you're thinking it's for one particular audience, yeah, yeah. but it's, but it's the lessons that all of us can learn. Yes. I, I love it. And we're going to, we're going to make sure everyone knows how to get a copy and all these different things. But I, before we go to that, part of closing it out. I would love for you to share beyond even the lessons you already have shared today, a life lesson that you want to highlight to share with the audience since I asked that of all my guests. Yeah. I mean, and I, I may have stolen my own thunder at the beginning, but, um, I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of thought about this since you asked. And I just, I really, really do believe the lesson for me is when I went through my brain illness and my parents passing and Cammy going in the helicopter, it was always, oh my gosh, another thing. Why is this happening? What did I do? Did I do something in a former life? You know, you're always looking for the question on why this is happening. And the life lesson that I've learned is everything that happened prepares you for what's going to happen and, and embracing that I could only show up for my daughter the way I did because of all the hard things that I went through, right? Um, And arguably, I would say before those four years, I lived a very charmed Hallmark life. I mean, I, I lived a very charmed life. And then it was just a lot of bad stuff at once. And I was asking myself, why, why, why? And the lesson that I'm taking is that maybe everything doesn't happen for a reason, but everything does happen to prepare you for this next reason, this next thing that's going to happen. And you take all those life experiences and you can show up a better version of yourself based on everything you've learned. So gosh, your life is just like the biggest classroom there is if you're willing to receive it, right? If you just let things happen and don't bring them in and process them, which I wasn't processing them when they were first happening. Once you do, my gosh, you can take all that knowledge that only like real life can give you and you can show up a better version and show up for somebody and support somebody. And for me, that was kind of like one of my shining moments is, is 
being, you know, so strong for her when she couldn't remember what year it was. And me just knowing somewhere, once the doctor said, I think she's going to be okay. I just said, I'm going to choose to believe somewhere that this is all going to work out. And if you saw her on the street today, you'd never know. The doctors don't know. They keep saying, we're not sure why. And I'm like, well, I know you're a man of science, but I do have two angels up in heaven that may have something to do with all this. But again, once once I made a decision that I was going to show up positive, I do believe that had a lot of to do with um, my daughter being in a positive mindset for her recovery. Right. Well, I mean, it's the exclamation mark on everything that you've shared so far and in, in, in this podcast. So I... One, just want to take a moment to say, I think you are incredible and the sparkle. And like I said, at the beginning, the reason why I loved getting to catch up with you is because I've just always found you as that person. I mean, we've been connected a lot through work engagements, but, but every time there was always so much joy to catch up with you as a human being. So I'm so glad that you took the time to put it into a book. And I am so glad that you are here through all of that. Thank you. That, um, excuse me. That means a lot. Um, thank you. You're welcome. I, I want people to follow you. I want people to get a copy of the book, which by the way, I want people to know Sabrina, um, in all her nature, shares this book with as many libraries as she can find neighbors that she talks to any. So I'd also love her to be able to share with all of you how you can get a copy of the book, but I just think it's so generous and, and the willingness to share this really important lesson with everyone. So if people want to get in contact with you, if they want to connect with you, where can they find you and where can they find your book? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I've tried to, I made, an intentional decision. I know there's a lot of talk on LinkedIn about how it's not Facebook, right? Um, But we spend 90,000 hours of our life at work. So there is an intersection of personal and professional. And I've tried to find that intersection in my posts. Um, I was posting commercials for my company a lot, and I still do that. But I've tried to make all of my personal posts be that intersection of personal and professional. So I'm on LinkedIn. Um, my email is sabrinacolorado at gmail.com. And you can get the book on Amazon. Just search for What Does Fine Feel Like? I love it. Thank you so much for spending time with me and sharing more about everything that you've gone through, but also this incredible book that you're sharing with everyone. Thank you. Thank you.